0: This is the first in-person schmooze of the year. So I I totally understand your enthusiasm. Um, But at the same time, yeah, yeah, you can applaud. It's okay. Anyway, um, at the same time, though, we do have a schedule and your elective teachers are waiting for you. So, uh, but I did not want a week to go by, and especially a week before Pesach, uh, without sharing some thoughts and uh, You know, the night of the Seder, I discussed with some of the classes, the night of the Seder is the most attended event of the Jewish year. Um, there are approximately, whatever, 14 million Jews or so. Uh, studies have shown that of those 14 million Jews of all walks on all uh, types of uh, shades and colors in terms of their religious affiliation. But the greatest number of those Jews come to a Seder than any other Jewish event during the entire year. And I'm sure people can give a lot of, you know, rational reasons. It's just very practical. It's sort of a family event. You'll get together. makes you feel good. The matzo balls are great. And, you know, just it's, it's a nice thing. Seder is a beautiful thing. But I, I think when you look at the Ramban, and we really look at some of the real... Depth and implications of this particular night and this particular chag, I think there's something deeper that's going on here. I can't swear to it, but I have a feeling that something deeper is going on. And the Ramban, I think, gives us an opening and a little bit, a little bit of an insight to, to that special nature of the Seder. The Ramban, very, very famous Ramban at the end of Shamos, uh, at the end of Bo, sorry, at the end of Bo. And the Ramban. Talks about the fact that a Baruch Hu, really during the Tiaspitzrayim, which we are going to be talking about a week from Matta Shabbos, as we sit together at a table and we have that beautiful Seder, we are going to be recounting the events of the Tiaspitzrayim. And that is the mitzvah to have the family together, the garatulavind to tell your children uh, uh, on that day, on that night, what transpired. And that event and those events that surround the entire process of Yitzchak Mitzrayim, of of the Ramban explains, is a chance for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to ultimately introduce himself. He never fully introduced himself to the Jewish people. He spoke to Avram, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov. Certainly there were great people in our history. Yosef, the Shiftei Kod, the Shvatim. So they were great people. But there was never a time where HaKadosh Baruch Hu told the collective Jewish people who I am. Let me tell you the kind of God that I am going to be for you, not just now, but throughout history. Because as the Ramad points out, there are many different philosophies. There are those who didn't believe in God altogether, those who believed in God, but they believed that God made the world and sort of disappeared and went off playing in some other universe, in some other galaxy, and doing other things. How could Ishbarah, who during its yes, made it abundantly clear, unequivocally clear, that I am here. As your God, as your personal God, involved in, your de- in the details of your life. Every maka, drove home that point, every plague that the Matrium had to suffer, drove home that point that Kodesh Baruch Hu was managing, micromanaging every single event. And certainly as it transpired all the way through, we know of uh, the miracles at the Yamsuf, Suf, certainly Maimon Har Sinai, when the heavens opened up seven weeks later, and the Keresh Baruch Hu gave us the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying to us, I, you need to know the nature of my relationship with you. It's critical. It's so critical, girls, that the Ramban says, if you don't have this clarity, if you don't understand that this is the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu deals with us, and this is who God is, then you're missing the whole point. In fact, he says, that's really the essence of being a Jew. While we have so many mitzvot, he really boils down the essence of being a Jew is the belief in this fact. If you believe this fact, if you internalize it, if you know it in your heart that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us a Torah and is, has been with, been with us from the beginning of, of Maimon Har Sinai, from the beginning of the TSS Rime till today, and it will never forsake us, will never leave us. And through all the tough times, as we say, the night of the Seder. He says, and HaKadosh Baruch that same love of HaKadosh Baruch for us is what has stood us throughout all these horrible different challenges throughout this Golis. Not just one nation, but many nations. And yet we're still here. Right? Where we, we read the essay of Mark Twain and we get all amazed, Oh. Uh, look at this Mark Twain, this very bright fellow who, who notices that there's a mystery of the Jewish people. Well, we knew that way before Mark Twain had to come along and tell the rest of the world. We understood that Baruch Hu has this unique relationship, and we have to believe it, and we have to internalize it, and this is the night that we do it. HaKadosh, uh, Ramban says that Baruch Hu gave us many of these mitzvot. Many of these mitzvot were to remind us that the amazing show that God put on for us during its yes with Trium, he does not do for us all the time. I've had many kids over the years. Well, of course, it's easy to believe. If I was sitting there watching all these plagues, I'd believe too. But how do we know? We're not. We're here in 2021. We don't have these plagues. We don't see this amazing miracle. We don't see Kriyas Yamsov. So the truth of the matter is that we do see many miracles, but... The Ramban says, of course you're not going to see it, because HaKadosh Baruch is not going to perform this show, what, every century, even every millennium? No, it's not going to happen. Because Baruch Hu did it, and it's all, it's all to test us and to really bring out that, that belief from our inner core. Hu, but the, the Ramban says that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I will come up with a system for you, that if you follow this system, it will be unquestionable, that indeed you will believe, you will know, and that system involves so many mitzvahs that take us back to Tz. Mitzrayim. So for the thousands of years that we've been saying Kiddush, we've been saying Zechel Tz. Mitzrayim. All the mitzvahs that we do are connected, that all, but so many of them are connected to Zechel Tz. Mitzrayim. And he says, when a Jew puts his text in mezuzah and nails it into the wall, he's making an unequivocal statement that Akash Baruch made the world and he gave us the Torah. And here I am, a Jew in America, a Jew in Iran, a Jew in the Ukraine, a Jew anywhere in the world puts up a mezuzah, he's making that same confirmation that this is the truth, this is who we are. No matter where you, you spread us and no matter where, we, where you take us, we are doing mitzvahs. And that mitzvah is an affirmation and a confirmation to this relationship that we have with our Kodesh Baruch So we can sort of sit during the Seder and remember that Kodesh Baruch gave us the laws of the Seder, told us to sit down. Because once a year, the Ramban explains, when you sit down at a Seder, you are really collectively giving a testimony. And it's a beautiful, it's, it's almost really, it's awe-inspiring. Because we have a Seder, there's a Seder in Israel, there's a Seder in Africa, there's a Seder in Asia. No matter where you go, no matter where there are Jews, there will be a Seder. Australia, South, South America, South, South Africa, you name it, there are Jews performing a Seder. It's part of the, the fundamental fabric of Jewish life. And again, reinforces the fact that this is not a nice little story book, that God, is not some fairy tale, that God, it's recounting the facts. And that sign outside, you have it at the girls' school as well, that sign outside absolutely confirms that from the time that Moshe Beno came down, there's been an unbroken chain of transmission till today of of our misorah, and our Torah, and our mitzvahs. So I think I'm not sure people who come, whether they're coming uh, you know, in a car and they're driving or whether they're God-fearing people and, they, and they're doing all the mitzvahs, they might not realize this. They might not know it. They might not be aware of the special nature of what this night is all about. What really is happening during this particular time is that a statement is being made. And that statement is, yes, we believe in Maimon Sinai and we believe in its yes, but try it. And we believe that this is our Kodesh Baruch Hu. We believe that that God, that God is intimate in our lives. So, when you are connected on that way, when you're sitting at a seder table and making a little bit of a calculation, it's really really remarkable. You have an 85 year old grandfather, great grandfather sitting at the table. Very possible. Some of us have been blessed uh, are blessed to have 85 year old uh, parents, or uh, grandparents, or great grandparents. You have an 85 year old person. Hmm. An 85-year-old person is now sitting at the table. Wouldn't it be possible, very probable, that he would be saying, you know, it's amazing. I'm here with my children, maybe my great-grandchildren. And I remember when I was sitting on my great-grandfather's lap, and he was 85 years old. And that was about 80 years ago. I remember when I was five years old, and he was 85. So here's an 85-year-old man telling you that he was sitting in the lap of an 85-year-old person. It's one hundred sixty-five, one hundred seventy years, right there. You you have when you go to a wedding, you have sometimes forty tables. You wouldn't need forty tables of that same event. So if you had a, a number of different families, all you got to do is back it up a little bit. You'd be surprised how few tables will get you back to Tzias right. It's not that much. You think about it. Almost in in one conversation, you can almost go back two hundred years. And if, if if that person remembers that his he, told, he was say, saying stories about his great-grandfather when he was 80 years old. About, it's amazing how fast you go back literally to the beginning of, of the Jewish people. It's incredible. So it seems like a long time. It's not such a long time. This is our story. This is who we are. And when we sit together, we might not be thinking it. We might not be saying it. But I, I believe we're feeling it. I think this is the night that we collectively are giving an unspoken testimony. To the truth of our existence that we're not some fairy tale we're not some other religion that sort of just came out of we know how most religions started they start it's very clear they started with a person saying i spoke to god it's not our religion our religion didn't start with one person speaking to god our religion started with an event a series of events where the entire nation experienced those events and that's part and parcel of the experience and the proof that who we are it's the fact that we, an entire nation experienced, yes, but it's right. An entire nation experienced Maimon Sinai. Unheard of. Nobody nobody has a religion like that. It's not, it's not possible because the only way you can have it is if it happened. Because you can't tell millions of people what they experienced when they never experienced it. But we did. And That's why it's part of our fabric. It's part of our bloodstream. It's what we know. It's what we believe. And this is what we're saying. And this is what we're testifying to when we come to to the Seder and we talk about about the the Haggadah we talk about the miracles we reinforce our our connection to our to our Torah and we are remembering who Hakodesh Baruch Hu is he is an intimate God he he is involved so deeply with our lives he loves us so much he cares about us he sustained us and it really gives us a tremendous sense of connection to who we really are. And I think this is what draws so many people, because it's, I'm a Jew. As a Jew, this is where I belong. This is my night of testimony. This is my night where I absolutely know who I am and connect and could connect to my roots. Along these lines, it's not really directly related to, to Passover, but there's a there's a really fantastic story. I believe Hashkochah brought the stories, especially stories that sort of, Make you shake your head and say, there's no way, no way that sort of like that can happen, and that Kash Baruch who's not running the world. All of these types of stories, and there are many Baruch Hashem, and you know, uh, you can you can access them, they're they're available in many different places. But when you share a story like that, I think it does very much connect to 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 Pesach, because Pesach is a time of, of Zman Khirusin where we have been liberated to see the truth. We've been liberated to recognize who our God is and that our God is here. And if the more we can believe it, the more we can feel it, the more we are really driving home the point of, of Pesach. So there's an amazing story. I don't think I've shared it recently, but certainly I have ninth and 10th grade here. I don't think the 10th graders heard it either, but I could be wrong. I, t- I don't keep track of when I say this story, but I'm, I'm 99.9% sure the ninth graders didn't hear this story. So the story about a but a boy who unfortunately got very sick and he needed a kidney transplant. This has happened after the war, I don't know, maybe 10 years after the war, some, some years after World War II, a young, a young man needed a kidney transplant. And, and the father was beside himself. He was a Jewish kid, father was beside himself and he was really distraught because this was a time when kidney transplants were just starting. So the, the science was pretty good. And the the odds for survival were great. But getting the information to see if you're a match was very hard. How do you get people to connect, to get the, you know, to test people? So it wasn't like now they have international databases. You can plug something in. You can find somebody in China or in who knows where that might be a match. You had to literally go shul by shul, school by school, place to place. And the Jewish person was limited to his exposure and he was really challenged. And it was getting very, very bleak. His father looking everywhere to try to save his son. And all of a sudden, went to a certain yeshiva, I believe it was. The person agreed to be tested. And sure enough, this young man was a match. Wow. credible! Would you do it? The doctors say you're a match. Would you give your kidney to my son? Please, please, he's sick and he's fighting for his life. And without this kidney, he probably won't live, please. He said, I'll do it. He's willing to do it. Right then and there is an act. It was not an easy act to do. You know, we can can ask ourselves, if we had a stranger that we were giving a kidney to, would we be so happy and so glad to do it? I don't know. Maybe we'd argue that I want to save it for some other time, maybe for somebody that I really know. Uh, Or maybe I just don't want to part with a kidney. But whatever it was, that was, that was the, uh, the issue. And this young man said, I'll do it. The father was ecstatic. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy. And it was coming closer. And I, you know, he, everyone assumed he checked with his father and, the, and his family and everything is good. And the doctors give him tests. And they're re- getting ready for the surgery. And literally a few days before the transplant to, is to take place, and the father is beaming. I'm not going to have my son. He's going to be healthy again. My God, I can't believe it. Father gets a phone call. Hi, this is, we'll call him Yonko. This is Yanko. I was supposed to be the one to give you the transplant. Um, can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, you can't do it. You, you have to, I mean, this is my son. You wanna save my son, don't you? I can't, my father won't let me. Your father won't let you, why? Why won't he let you? It's the safe thing, the doctors are okay with it. They say it's gonna, you're gonna be fine, you're healthy, you're good. What do you mean? My father said, I can't do it, I'm sorry. Can I talk to your father? Oh, you can talk to your father. I can't help you. Calls his father. He hangs up on him, finds his father's address. He shows up at the door. A couple of days left before the surgery. He's just so distraught. And he says, he knocks on the door. The father, The other father comes to the door, opens up the door. I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about my son. Your son needs to save my son. He slams the door in his face. Waits about twenty minutes, knocks on the door again. He opens the door. Don't you get the message? And he slams the door again. This time he waits about forty-five minutes, so he shouldn't think that it's him again. And he, he knocks on the door. Person opens the door. Says, "I told you to stay away from me." And he takes the door. And he's about to slam it, and the father sticks his door. He his foot inside the door, and the door closes on his foot. But he keeps the door open. He says, "I deserve an explanation." Tell me why you will, not give. you will not give permission for your son to save my son. He's dying. This is what he needs. Please let him give his, tra- his, his kidney for a transplant, please. Man looks at him and says, I know who you are. Don't try to fool me. I know exactly who you are. What are you talking about? I remember you. You we were in the same concentration camp together back in Auschwitz. And I had my 14 year old son who was really underage, but I was able to keep him close to me. And the Nazis did not notice till one day, somebody walked in, one of the Nazis, your Schum, walked in and he noticed that there was a 14 year old boy. And and they, they asked me who he is. And they basically I tried to explain, he's with me. We're working together, we're doing a, we're doing a good job. That can't be, it's unacceptable. He's 14, he's, he's a young kid, and he told you, you Jewish cop, I remember you, you were a collaborator with the Nazis and you connected with them and they gave you orders. And they told you to take my son down to the barracks where the, where the gas chambers are and you told him to throw him into the gas chamber. And you led my son to the gas chamber. And you want me to save your son now? When you collaborated, you couldn't save mine? You didn't save mine? You, are, you participated in my son's death and now you want my son, my new son that I was able to have after the war, you want him to save you? Never, never. I will never let my son save your son. The father looks at him, the father the boy needs a transplant looks at him and says, what you're saying is true. I now clearly know who you are and I know why you're saying what you're saying. But let me tell you the rest of the story. What you don't know is what happened after I left that room. I, yes, I took your son. I was walking, as I was walking closer and closer to those gas chambers, I could not come to kill your son or give him even over to the Nazis for them to kill him, I couldn't do it. And I had a second floor near where I worked and I was able to, to keep him there and hide him there. Instead of giving over to the Nazis, I took him upstairs. And for the year or so remaining till the end of the war, I fed him every day. I brought him food. I could not let, I could not let him die. And after the war, I looked for you. I looked all over for you. I tried to reconnect this incredible boy to you, his father. I couldn't do it. I couldn't find you. I tried. I really tried. I had no choice. I brought, I brought your son over to America. I raised him as my own. And I'm not asking to save my son. I'm asking to save your son. I'm asking your son to save his brother's life. And I, you can imagine the tears. You can imagine the emotion. You can imagine the unbelievable recognition of what an amazing story this was and the father of course let let his son save his brother the family was reunited, reunited. incredible incredible simcha that that family had when you hear a story like that and you calculate all of the different aspects and there's another very powerful point, besides the fact that God is running this world, because you can't have things like that happen without unbelievable divine intervention to bring these people together and to have a family united and a young boy saved. And his life was saved by his own brother. But also there's something very fascinating about this story as well, and that is we think we're helping somebody else the way, anyway, Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world here. There was a brother who sort of was feeling he's being super altruistic and a father who's saying, I'm going to let my, or I'm not going to let my son help somebody else. Is that really what it's about? Or we do for others, we're not just helping other people. We don't, are helping them. It's a great mitzvah to help. But really, we gain. We always benefit by helping others. When we extend ourselves for other people, Kodesh Baruch Hu weaves the tapestry. It always comes back to help us. It always comes back to really be in our in, a tremendous benefit. Pesach is a time, and girls, you have a lot of time off now, Baruch Hashem, you well-earned vacation, and we look forward to seeing you back after Pesach, but you have a lot of opportunities, Coming, go, going, building up towards the Yontif and during the Yontif to be helpful, to, to reach out, to be positive, to make the people around you more happy, to be uplifted. Baruch Hashem, because Baruch gave you, put you in that position to be able to do that. When we extend ourselves for others, when well, we maybe do something that maybe we're not in the right mood for it, but we do it anyway because we just push ourselves, we're not just helping somebody else. We're really helping ourselves. In the long run, we do ourselves the biggest chesed by being a Balas Chesed. So we take this incredible Ashkachaprata story to heart. We recognize Kesh Baruch Hu weaves this tapestry in every Jew's life, year in and year out, he's never left us. He's always protecting us. He's always guiding us. He's always watching over us. And if we can celebrate this Pesach with that full recognition of who our Kadosh Baruch Hu is and that he's never left us, he's right here, And Be'z Hashem, the month of Nisa, which we know is the month of, of Gula, Be'z Hashem, it'll finally come to fruition. Be'z Hashem will have a beautiful yontif and we'll celebrate this month, the month of Gula, with Bias and Meshach. And have a beautiful yontif. Thank <laughs>